Our latest bread of blue is the Glasgow Rangers midfield player, John Lundstrom, and he joins us the morning after a Champions League game the night before against Napoli at Ibrox. They're not a bad side, Napoli, John, are they? No, no, absolutely, absolutely not. Yeah. No, first of all, nice to see you, Daz. And you, pal, the Champions League nights at Ibrox, is that is that the reason you joined a club like Glasgow Rangers? Definitely, definitely, 100%. Um, I obviously had a couple of years in the Prem with, with Sheffield United, which was always a dream of mine to play there. And then um, obviously I had the opportunity to come up to come up to Rangers with the chance of playing in, in Europe. So that was a massive, massive draw for myself. So now just a, just a dream come true to, to be able to play there. Yeah. When you first walked through the gates at Netherton or Belfield all those years ago, if someone would have tapped you on the shoulder and said, listen, one day you'll play in a European final for Glasgow Rangers, you probably wouldn't have believed them, would you? No, not in them circumstances at all. And you'd, <laughs> you'd only you'd only dreams of playing for Everton, of course. But um, but no, the way my career's panned out, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for the world. And um, no, just really thankful to to reach the level I've reached. When did you first start with Everton, John? How did it come about? I was seven, does um, just playing for my local team. I think I was only at my local team for a couple of weeks, and then uh, Martin Walden um, approached me, mum, dad, and and asked me to come up, and the rest is history. But I didn't even want to go at first. <laughs> I think I was crying to me, man, there saying, "No, no, I'm not going." <laughs> but, um, but no, yeah, Martin was persistent, and and uh, Martin was great with me. To be fair, so um, yeah, the rest is history. Seven years of age, all the way through to twenty-one. Eh? When you think about that, John, fourteen years, it, it it's a heck of a commitment, not just for a young boy, for a young player, but for his family as well, isn't it? Yeah, massive. Yeah, but they are at the time. You just, I was just from humble beginnings. Do you know what I mean? Not, not really. Was never wanted for nothing, but didn't have much. And my mum didn't even have a car at the time. We used to get two buses, two buses to never. And used to take like an hour and a half. People don't don't see all that side mm. of the thing. Like, and you've got to sacrifice. You just, you just see it as you go into our phone and play footy. But the, the what me, what me mum and dad have, have done for me. Um, I, I've mentioned in loads of interviews how much they mean to me and, and what they what they've done for me. Without me, clear, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today. To, to follow that pathway and see it through, you've really you've got a hundred percent want to be a professional footballer, haven't you? It's got to be your top priority in life. Yeah, hundred percent. But at the same time, I don't think I really. It's a, at a young age you don't really think. When I was seven or Everton, you don't think, "Oh God, I'm going to play for Everton's first team at seven, eight, nine, ten. That was never really. It wasn't really something I ever thought. Oh my God, I'm going to play for Everton's first team because it was, seemed so far away. I think more when you get to 14, 15, 16, you start thinking, oh, I've got a chance here. Mm. I'm one of the players in the team. And, um, but before that, it's just all about having fun, and especially with the, the academy back then. It was unbelievable. And we were, Everton's always been renowned for having an unbelievable academy, but the, the, the standard of coaching you get, and not just the standard of coaching, the, the fun element side and the family the family side of things, what, what people don't see is just, was just incredible. And the, the standard of academy at Everton was just honestly just incredible. As you were progressing through the ranks, which teammates of yours would we know? Which teammates are still in the game? Yeah, a few. Um, obviously, the big one, Ross Ross played for the first team, Tyus Banana, Matthew Pennington, Chris Long, Luke Garby. Um, That's a good crew, isn't it, to come through one yeah, group? The lads went through different paths and the likes of Tom Donegan went to Fulham. And Adam Cummins came up to Scotland. There was loads along the years that that, um, that I've played with that I've gone that I've gone to make a career in the game, which is only says says what it says about the academy at Everton. 
And when you make the step from 18s into reserve team football as it was, that was a at the time, John. That was a that was a huge step for a young player, wasn't it? To go from the 18s to playing with with Andy Holden or Stubbsy or Davy Weir for the reserves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was an experience to go from from the under 18s to working with Stubbsy and tough. <laughs> was eye opening, but I got on great with them and it, it massively helped me and um, massively helped my game and. Um, like I helped them as well, along with other good players that, that we had at the time. We, we we bonded well and we had a we had a great side. We had a really good side. Mm. Probably 70% of them them players. Um, when I was 18, it was like Mustafi, me, Ross, Shane Duffy, um, Jose Baxter, James Wallace, just so many top quality players that and I was obviously only a very young kid at the time, playing mm. up with all these big, big, big personalities, Jose Wallace. It was like he was near at the time, but but looking back now, what an experience to play with them top quality pros. I was going to ask you that: was it nervous for you? Because as we've said, going from 18s to the to the reserves was a big step. All of a sudden, there are one or two senior players about in the dressing room, so it must have been a little bit nerve wracking for you, as you say. No, definitely, yeah. And I was quite a quiet kid as well, so like the likes of Jose Wallace, Mustafi, Duffy, and I'm I'm two three years younger than them coming into their dressing room. Uh, and to be fair, they were all great. Jose took me under his wing. Jay Wallace took me under his wing. Brilliant, obviously, being a scouter as well mm. with them. So it was definitely nerve-wracking, but um, thankfully I held my own, yeah, and um, I progressed. And it also it, it helps you because you're not just sharing a dressing room with players who have played for Everton's first team. You're playing against senior professionals, aren't you, who have played in the Premier League? Yeah, definitely. That's I used to love the old reserve days. I used to think they were brilliant. There was always there was always something like riding on it. People used to come and pay to watch you play. Mm. Um, I always remember a game we had away, pre-season game away at Oxford, Oxford United. And we obviously weren't playing great. And at our time, Taft came in and absolutely killed us. And I was like, oh my God, what is this what happens in the, in the man's game? Like, honest to God, you should have seen him. But and we deserved it. Don't get me wrong, mm. we deserved it. But that was a big eye opener, a big learning curve for me. And thankfully, I wasn't fully on the end of it. It was, <laughs> I think it was Femi Oranigo was on the end of it. <laughs> but no, it's just little things like that. Just, just standing in good stead going into, into the man's game. You had quite a few loan spells, didn't you, during your time at Everton? Would you agree with the statement that there's a little bit more of a thought process? It's, it's a bit more methodical now sorting out loan deals for young players. Yeah, I, I had a... Um, yeah, definitely. I had a couple of regrets on mine, really. I made a couple of bad decisions on my loans and it didn't really help me. I went to bottom championship teams when I shouldn't really have done that. I should have probably went to top league one teams. Um, and at the time, I think I think Martinez was mates with, with Jose Vega at Blackpool and I went to Blackpool and shouldn't have really went there. I should have really thought to myself. And But, but it's all learning curves and that, that's helped me going on in my career that you know, I've got to have your own decisions as well along the way. Um, but yeah, nowadays you have loan managers and all kinds. Um, but no, I think I think the lads are all in good hands nowadays with with the amount of staff that the clubs mm. have got now. What were the issues when you were playing for a team, for example, struggling at the bottom of the championship as a young player trying to adjust to men's football? Was it just that you were on the back foot most weeks? Yeah, definitely. I, I was always. I thought I was like my my strength was in possession of the ball. Back then, I was only skinny. I was dead. I was dead slight. I was obviously still only a kid, so out of possession, I weren't physical and strong enough to compete. Um, but in possession, I always thought I was I could hold me on. But then in possession of the ball, when you're at a bottom championship team, you 
you're having 30% possession of the ball when you get it you rush the teams that are on top of you and obviously the players around you aren't as good as what, what you're playing with at Everton and, and the other teams in the league so should have just went to a, a top league one team really and tried to establish myself in possession of the ball and um, but again learning curves that, that, um, that I'll take with me You've mentioned Alan Stubbs and, and, and Taft there Andy Holden did you have much of a relationship with David Moyes John? Yeah, I did, to be honest. Moisey, funny story. Oh, he absolutely killed me once. <laughs> yeah. Moisey offered me my first big contract with the club. Um, so I got on really well and he thought really highly of it, me, Moisey, which is, I'll always thankful for. He was the one manager at Everton that really seen something in me and tried to push me as much as he can. And when he left Everton, things weren't quite the same for me since when he left. So, but yeah, one time he... Um, <laughs> I'd been a bit of a, a naughty boy when I was about 20 and he pulled me in his office and just absolutely just went berserk on me and, and said, do you actually want to be a professional footballer? And um, that was another massive, honestly, he absolutely gave me the, the kick up the backside that I, that I needed at that, at that moment in time and he, and he done it in the right way. And i never, ever forget that. That was a huge, huge learning, learning and, and turning point in my career. If David Moyes has a go at you, you've got to make sure he only does it once, haven't you? You've got to listen, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. And I'm still scared of him to this day. I see, I see him. <laughs> I see him. He's West Ham and a couple of times over the years and he still strikes for you, you know. <laughs> Did you ever speak to any of the first team players? Um, Not as much. I was always on the peripheral, really. The first team, I changed with them a couple of times. The likes of Jags and Baines, he were always great with me. Um, but never really kept in contact with anyone. I was always on the peripheral. I was not I was in a few matchday squads, but never really got took that next step of really establishing myself as a first team player so I never really built relationships with the first team that I would have if I would have established myself but I still keep in contact with Jags but only only after the Sheffield United seasons that we spent together Why did you decide to leave Everton John? Um, I just I just couldn't see a pathway That's, at the time I just come up off the back of a, a bad loan really I didn't do myself any justice and that's, that's my own fault no one's I didn't do the business on the pitch it's, that's the be all and end all of it but um, the gaffer at the time Martin has offered me a six month contract um, and I just thought I've been here for 14 years if, if you're offering me a six month contract and you still don't see what I can do then I think it's time to move on so um, I think it was more of a token gesture contract offer which I only had myself to blame. I didn't do the business on the pitch, so I obviously didn't deserve a, a decent contract offer. So I just thought it was time to move on and, and uh, try and establish myself as a, as a first-team player. I was going to say, did, did you leave Everton with any regrets or did you walk out the door for the last time thinking, well, I've done everything I can there, I couldn't have done any more? No, no regrets. You know the type of lad I am, does and the mm. type of team. Because I gave absolutely everything every single day in training and there was... There's not one coach could say, not even one training day that I didn't give absolutely 100 percent So um no, not no regrets in that sense. Just just didn't do at a young age. I developed a lot later in on in my career as different players develop early and then fade away later. I've I've developed a bit later and that, that's just the way it is. Some players who I've spoken to on this Red Blue Cup uh, podcast have, have told me that when they left Everton that they fell out of love with football for a little bit and they drifted away. Did, did you walk out of Everton thinking, right? This is a new start for me. I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah, the prove prove you wrong element was massive in the fact um, that I'd been let go in a way. They only offered me a six month deal, so it was basically a, telling me I wasn't really good enough. But 
to be honest, it's, it's a mad one when you leave a club like Everton. You, you grew up a scouser. You've, you've played for Everton your whole life. Mm. And you, you're, the, you're the main man around the city and your family love you. You're playing for Everton. Your family are blues and your family with a stick you get off the red side of the family. And then all of a sudden when you leave Everton, I felt a little bit like I'd lost my identity a little bit. Right. So, but I was quite, I'm quite a strong character and quite strong mentally. So, yeah. And if I felt like that, sometimes I think how, how other kids might feel leaving a club like Everton and how they've got to go away from football and you've lost that. You're no longer John Lundstrom, the Everton player, you're just John Lundstrom. Mm. So it was tough. It was really tough for me, but um, I've got an unbelievable family around me and, and good friends. So it, it worked out well for me. And, and that, as you said, there, the, the proving people wrong elements was a massive, massive thing in my mind. So that helped me push on as well. Um, so yeah, dropping down to Oxford was one of the best decisions I ever made, really. Did the football club help you to find another club? Was there any sort of mechanism in place to help you out once you'd been released? Yeah, no, definitely. The, the club, at the time, I was injured when I left. When I left, so they still let me come in and stay in there and, and keep fit and do me rehabilitation there. So, um, no, yeah, they definitely help you, help you try and get clubs. They, all your calling around places for you, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Was, I, couldn't, I couldn't speak more higher to the club. I did a little bit of research online before this interview, John, and yourself and Oxford United seemed a really, really good fit. You seemed to like it down there and the punters seemed to take to you as well. Yeah, no, it was. It was a great one for me. Does it? Um, all my loans had been little short spells. So to finally go into a dressing room and be an established player and, and sign permanently and give yourself time to develop as well. Um, it was just a really good fit. And the manager, the manager down there, Michael Apton, um, still to this day, probably one of the best coaches I've had in mm. the games. Um, no, he, he really took to me and I took to him. So no, it was perfect fit. Was it a bit of a gamble to go to Oxford United from an international perspective because you were playing under-20 football with, with Harry Kane, with John Stones, Eric Dyer, with Ross Barkley, you've just mentioned, and moving down to Oxford probably takes you off the international radar a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it was. It was because I was waiting out for, for championship offers until the end of the window, until like late August. And I had a couple of offers and I had loads of League One offers but I was waiting out for that that championship offer that just never really came in the end. And because I left it so late, them, them League One offers that I'd had at the start of the window, like top League One clubs, started to go for second options then because I was just waiting out for the, for the championship offer, which, which obviously never came. So in the end, went to Oxford, the top League Two club, rather than bottom League One clubs, which I'd already learned from with my past mistakes, trying to go to championship rather than top League One. So, um, no, yeah, just, just thankfully it did work out in the end. Did you enjoy being captain? Because you were still a young lad, weren't you, when they gave you the armband? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a bit of pressure, to be honest. I was still young. And um, after first, the first couple of two, three, four months, it took me time to adapt. It had gone from not having any pressure on me, really, just perform, just to perform. I'd then have to sort everything out, tickets, look after players. At such a young age, it was a bit of pressure for me. I didn't quite take to it as, as well at first. We formed it, but... Um, I think after that I grew into the role and I had a really strong end to the season and then next stop it was Bramall Lane in Sheffield United is that when you started to think to yourself do you know what I can get back to the Premier League here with this football club I think so in, in, the, in the second championship season um, when the club started going a massive run and we started um, you know going going on to, to get the automatic promotion places the manager pulled me towards the end of the season and just said, listen, you're, you're absolutely in my plans for, for the Premier League. Because it was by this time, it was half nailed on that we were going up. So, mm. 
you're absolutely in my plans. You're going to be playing next year. So have a good have a good summer and good pre-season under your belt. And I went away that summer and just built me built me muscle up and had a had a really good camp in the summer and come back flying and then um, thankfully we started well and then had that good season where we where we came man. And you scored against Crystal Palace early on, which meant that even though you were still a young lad, you'd scored in all four divisions. That tells you a bit about your football education, your upbringing, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it was um, it was boss. Honestly, that that season we had was was really good. It was riding high all, all year and to, to to get. I think I ended up with five in the end to get mm. get on a tally that many times was was something that I'd always dreamt of, and, and thankfully I was I was able to 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 fulfil it. Yeah. Hand on heart, John, was the Sheffield United win at Goodison against Everton one of the high spots for you of the season? Was that when you could finally say you were wrong? <laughs> no, yeah, honestly, it's one minute. It's one minute. Yeah, lads, honestly, um, one of the best, best days, one of the best footballing days in, in my career, really. You know, just the fact that what we spoke about before of proving people wrong and um, going to my boy up club and putting in a performance that we did and, and coming away with the win and then setting up the goal. Yeah, it was hmm. it was satisfying, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> who was the who was your first, who was the first opponent in the Premier League for you, John, personally, when you came off the pitch at the end and you thought, wow, he's good. Um, yeah, it was weekly to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> weekly, yeah. Yeah. Obviously all the Man City lads, uh, the Liverpool players at the time, the, the Blues were Going through a bit of a bit of a rough patch, so I think we, I think, I think yeah, we beat them and then they meant to beat us. But yeah, obviously all the top, all the top dogs were seeing them up close and personal. You, you get a feeling for how good everyone really is, and the athleticism as well from everyone's just just on the next level. Well, we'll end where we began with Glasgow Rangers. I spoke to Danny Fox a couple of months ago, and I asked him about the experience of playing an, an old firm game, and he said. Very, very difficult to describe. It's like an out-of-body experience. Would you go along with that? Yeah, it's it's incredible to be honest. You can't really you can't really describe the atmospheres that they bring to, to these two games. And when you're on the end of a defeat, it's like your world's ended. And then when you when you're on the end of a win, it's you're riding high on it for weeks. So <laughs> hard to explain the atmosphere, but to be involved in the monster god, it's it's one of the best experiences you'll you'll have in your, your whole football career. But the atmosphere is like that for most home games for Rangers, isn't it? The fan base is incredible. <laughs> no, it is. It is. And that's we, the big, when you see us, you know, perform well against these top clubs and these top players, that's all the 12th man, as, as you, as you want to say. Um, those, those give you the next to 20% in your leg. So, um, no, it really is. It really is one of, one of the best in the world. Just to wrap things up then, John, you're still only 28 years of age, plenty of football left in you. Have you started thinking about coaching at all? Um, I haven't done my badges or not on yet, but I would definitely, when my career's over, go into something like that. Um, if you're holding the job for me at the Blues, then I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> definitely want to go into coaching and, and um, try and carry that on and, and and pass on what I've learned over the years to, to the youngsters, yeah. So finally, last question. You've had a fantastic career. You're still playing at the top level, the highest level. How, how big an influence was your Everton upbringing for you, John, over those years? Yeah, honestly, I really couldn't speak higher of the club. It's definitely one of the best in best in England, if not in Europe, the academy system, the coaching, the quality of coaching. Some of the coaches I had over the years, I couldn't honest to God, they still live with me to this day. The chips they're taking on, the you know, the family orientation that's around the club. Um 
I'm not sure if it's still like that now, but at the time it was it was unwavered. And um, if I ever have a little boy or girl of my own, I would never hesitate to put them into if they were good enough to put them into the Everton Football Club Academy. Yeah. Which coaches helped you along the way? Oh, so many. Tosh Farrell, um, Eddie, Mick O'Brien, um, John Doolan, Tash Stubbsy, Neil Dewsnip, Kevin Sheedy. These, honestly, these mm. coaches are just, are just world class coaches. And yeah, even the, even Colin Little, John, the lads you work with, work with you when you're, you're really, really young, it's a, it's a skill to be able to teach these young boys how to play football, but also put the fun, the fun elements into it as well. Honestly, just just absolutely incredible, and I couldn't speak higher. It was the best years of my life. Brilliant, John. Thanks very much for your time. I know you're busy there, and a few of the lads want to get you out onto <laughs> the training pitch. So we're all made up. You're doing so well, and thanks for your time. Thanks, Dad. Send me regards to everyone.